Before I preach, I would like to read a verse for the staff. I know that to put on this prayer conference with so many people here is a great undertaking. And I would like to read a verse for them. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. So I would like to express my appreciation and that the Lord is not unmindful to forget your labor of love. We're going to take Mr. Stair home with us. Weeds just grow around my house. And if he was there for a year, we might have the Garden of Eden. But the only problem with that is that the second year we wouldn't have the Garden of Eden when he came back. So he would have to stay. So I want to say that I'm thankful for his work here because when I come here I'm amazed at how immaculate it is. And I see different kind of plants that I've never seen in my life growing in so many different places. And I know it's a behind-the-scenes work where many people don't see him. I don't know where he is this morning, but I'd just like to say thank you. And also, I'd like to say when I go in to eat in the cafeteria, I think, how in the world would you feed a crowd like this? I have some cows, and they eat a 1,000 pounds of hay a day in the wintertime, and so I buy the hay in a big round roll, and I take my tractor out, pick it up, and go put it to them about 10 minutes. And But I'm overwhelmed when I see so many people eating. So I wonder, how in the world would you do this? So I know the cocinera understands what I'm seeing. So I would like to say thank you to her also for her labor behind the scenes. God is not unmindful of your labor of love in having served us. It's been a blessing for me to be here, and I thank the Lord for the blessing I have received from being here and from being with you all. Last night as I finished, I asked Mr. Brazier if I could say a word or two about our radio ministry because there's so many people here that pray, and we covet your prayers. Uh, In Spain, we had a little radio program. We were able to keep it when we left. We don't have it now because some circumstances have changed. But over the years, the Lord has opened doors for us in many different places, and mostly through Transworld Radio, we're on a 450,000-watt transmitter in the Caribbean that covers all of Cuba, all of Puerto Rico, all of the Dominican Republic, big parts of Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico, and other places in Central America and Southern Florida. And through Transworld Radio, there are many radio stations in the Spanish-speaking world that are affiliated with them. And they can download our programs, and many of them do. There's five or six in Argentina. There's five or six in Colombia, in Ecuador, and uh, a couple in Spain. So taping a radio program is a little different. You're in a room, you don't see anybody, and you're just speaking, looks like, to a wall. And so I ask for you to pray that we might have a quickened word and not just go through the motions of giving a word because every week you have to have a message for them. 
So we would appreciate that we might speak, as Whitfield said, that which ye most smartingly do feel. So that's what you need to preach. And so I would appreciate your prayers for us in this sense. We're going to read this morning in John 15. We talked about the person of the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about pruning. And today in this text, prayer is mentioned, and we're going to talk about prayer this morning. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that ye bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. A connection between prayer and fruitfulness. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask, of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Father, we ask this morning that the Spirit of God would quicken your word to our hearts, that it might become spiritual bone and muscle in our lives. Encourage us and teach us, Lord, to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a connection between prayer and fruitfulness. If we truly believe that apart from Him we can do nothing, that should lead us to a life of prayer. A missionary in Spain said the following, The supreme expression of our dependence on Him is prayer. The supreme expression of our dependence on Him is prayer. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. Now, I don't know if I would go quite that far. But we have to say he was greatly used of God. Lloyd-Jones says the following, God has chosen to do his work in this world through the prayers of his people. They're on different ends of the theological spectrum, but they're basically telling us the same thing. About a year and a half ago, a lady in Spain came to my mind one morning as I started praying. I haven't seen the lady in over 20 years. I knew her when she was a college student and she was converted. She wasn't a member of our church, but a missionary friend knew her and we had sporadic contact with her from time to time. And she's still following the Lord today. Well, it was strange to me. I pray and for Over a year, she almost daily comes to my mind. And I haven't had a conversation with her or talked to her in over 20 years. I saw a friend of ours who is a friend of this lady. And I just mentioned, she comes to my mind almost every morning for me to pray for. Well, our friend called her, and she told her her story that her husband was running around with another lady. He had a terrible temper, and she was really going through a hard time. Well, there she is in Spain in a battle. And so God wants to meet her 
But what does he do? He puts her upon my heart almost daily to pray for. And she still comes very regularly to my mind. I don't think about it any other time during the day except when I pray in the morning. So God wants to meet her, but He wants to do it through prayer. So when the Lord brings someone to your mind, or they keep coming to your mind, pray for them. We may not know what the situation is or what's happening, but God has a purpose in it. In James chapter 5, there's something here that's very encouraging to me. Verses 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Why does it say that? Why not just say, Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. He prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Why not just say that, that he prayed? Why add this little phrase in here, was a man with a nature like ours? Well, if that phrase wasn't in there, the devil could tell someone like me, you can't pray like Elijah. Look at you. You're in no way in the league he was in. In Spanish it says, a man with like passions as us. And I like the translation. A man with like passions. He was a man weak like us. He was a man full of need like us. He was a man facing the same battles we face. A man in the same type situations that we are in in his day. We see at the end of his life he fled from Jezebel. I'm not glad he fled from Jezebel, but I'm glad that's in the Scripture. Because God paints us as we are in Scripture and we see that he was a man of like nature, like passions in us. So that should be to us an encouragement for us to pray. And I think that's the reason he puts this in here, to encourage us. We're just like him. He was just like us. He's not some super spiritual hero. He was a man with the same flesh as we have and the same battles and the same devil. And so he encourages us by telling us this about Elijah. There was a man who went as a missionary to Columbia, South America <clears throat> years ago. He went to a fairly large town there. He never learned the language. He never preached a sermon in Spanish. He never witnessed and saw anyone come to the Lord. But he was there for 18 years. And I'm sure many people would have considered him a flop and a failure. He fasted and prayed for 18 years. And he didn't see a thing. After he died, without knowing about this man, two missionary couples in Colombia were led to the town that he had worked in. And by divine providence, they were led to the same street where he had lived. And they didn't know a thing about him. As they went to this town, they figured it was going to be hard plowing. And it was going to be tough because at that time in Colombia, it was tough. 
Well, they began to preach, and the Lord began to bless. And many people were soundly converted. And then someone who knew the man told them that he had been there for 18 years praying and fasting. And God greatly answered his prayers and poured out his blessing, even though he never lived to see it. In Colossians 4.2, we read, Devote yourselves to prayer. Now, in Spanish, it says, Persevere in prayer. Persevere in prayer. Keep praying. I tell the people where I am, most of them are recently converted, and they come from Catholic backgrounds, and when I say we're going to read this verse, they go to the index of their Bible to look to try to find the text. So they don't know very much. And I tell them that this lack of perseverance is typical of children. If we tell a child we're going to go get an ice cream cone in an hour, they'll be back in three or four minutes. We ready to go? No, we're not ready to go. But I think it's also a sign of spiritual immaturity, a lack of perseverance, a lack of patience. Now, George Mueller said the following, The great fault of the children of God is that they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. And if I'm right, I think that George Mueller prayed for one man, I think it was 45 years, and Mueller died, and Mueller didn't see the man converted. But later on, he was converted. One time in Spain, the, a fellow in church said, Buddy, my mother's dying. She may have two or three weeks. She's a faithful Catholic. She believes that her good works will save her. Would you go to the hospital with me and share with her? He says she doesn't speak and she hasn't spoken in two or three weeks. So I said, fine. And we went and <clears throat> I read her a verse that had to do with the work of the Lord on the Christ, on the cross, dying for her sins. I gave her a little illustration that I thought would give her a window to help her see the truth. I applied it and talked with her maybe in all four or five minutes, prayed for her and left. Two or three days later, we go back. We repeat the same process. I give her another verse that I think will help her see that her good works will not save her and what Jesus did on the cross and trusting Him and another illustration and apply it and pray for her. This goes on for two or three weeks. <clears throat> the last time I went, when I shared, <clears throat> she said, Yes, Lord, in Spanish. Those were the last words she ever spoke on this earth. See, sí, Senor. And you could tell they came from her heart. <clears throat> and there was conviction in what she was saying. 
So to be in a situation like that is very encouraging. You pray for her, and I'm sure other people prayed for her. And two or three weeks, you see her converted. It was very encouraging. Well, when my wife got saved, her daddy told her don't to come back home. He also told her, I'd rather see you a prostitute than what you're doing, and I consider you dead. Since then, the relation has gotten a whole lot better, and we have a, a good relation with them. My, mo- my mother-in-law was not in the same situation as being so intensely against, but she was not for it at all. And so Susan has prayed for her for over 40 years. Well, at 89 years old, we believe she truly got saved. She's 91 now, and two years have gone by, and we see fruit. The other day, she called our house, and Susan had the phone on speakerphone, and my mother-in-law was preaching to Susan. (laughs) And so she doesn't know a lot. She's been in a liberal church, and now she's old and she can't get out much, but the Lord used two little devotional books in her life. And God answered prayer. So in one case, we see prayer answered a week or two later. In this case, we see prayer answered 40 years later. So he says here, persevere in prayer. Keep on praying. And one fellow has said from the Middle Ages, we know the utility of prayer from the efforts of the wicked spirits to distract us during the divine office. When we pray, the effort the enemy makes to try to distract us from prayer. And so sometimes we start praying and we can think about a hundred things we need to do. John Piper even said, I think about the dust on the blinds back there when I start to pray. (laughs) And he hadn't thought about that in 24 hours probably. And so the effort the enemy is willing to expend to try to keep us from praying should be an encouragement for us to pray. Now we see an example of this in Acts chapter 6. There was a distribution of food to different ones. I'm not going to read it all, but the apostles were beginning to get involved in distributing the food, which is a good thing. It was a good work. But then they realized this is taking us away from prayer and the ministry of the Word. So they chose out different ones. In verse 4 in Acts chapter 6, they said, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We see prayer comes first here. And we have a subtle attack of the enemy to try to turn them aside, occupied in something that may be good, but which is not the best for them. So he may try the same tactic with us, to get us occupied with something that is good, but it is not the best that the Lord has for us. 
we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Verse number 7, the Word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. When we were in Spain and we had started this church, we had a prayer meeting and we thought it would be good for some of the men in the church to be able to have a five or six or seven minute devotional before the prayer to kind of encourage us to pray. Well, the first man that had the five or six minutes lot time, he spoke for 35 minutes. And I was sitting there back thinking, this is going to be bad. The next fellow is going to speak for 45 minutes. And then it will be a Bible study, and then it will be a few prayer requests at the end. So I sat there thinking, we're going to change this. And surely if we left, it would just be a Bible study. So we removed it to have a devotion, to study the Word of God, a good thing. But the devil would use that to cut out prayer, to reduce prayer, to hinder the prayer meeting. So the devil may try to use good things in your life to keep you from the best thing. J.O. Frazier said the following, I used to think that prayer should have the first place and teaching the second. I now feel that prayer should have the first, second, and third place and teaching the fourth. Now, he was in western China, and he it was hard plowing. He wasn't getting very far. So, he wrote information about his contacts, his works, his travels, and the people he was dealing with, and asked his mother in England to gather around godly women from the church and others that she might know, and that they once a week would pray for his work. And so his mother did that. And so the tide began to change in, in China. There began to be a breakthrough. And later on, hundreds of people came to the Lord. God does His work through the prayers of His people. The enemy knows that, and the enemy is going to zero in to try to hinder and thwart by whatever means he can to keep us from praying. There was a soldier who had just gotten discharged from the army. And he was hitchhiking in Illinois, going to a little town not far from Chicago, going home. And so in those days, it wasn't dangerous to hitchhike. When I was young in college, I hitchhiked from Anderson to Columbia, South Carolina, every weekend and back. So... This long black Cadillac pulled over and picked him up. They began to talk. And as they went on, the soldier was a Christian, and he wanted to witness to him, but he was a little bit scared. 
And so he looked at his clock and he said, you know, in 30 minutes we'll be at my town. And it's, it's now or never. So he began to talk with the man about his eternal destiny and salvation. And the man began to weep. And he pulled over and <clears throat> there's every sign to believe that there he came to the Lord. Well, the man let him out in his little town and he gave him his card. He said, if you're ever in Chicago, come by to see us. And so, four years or so passed by, and the soldier, who was now a civilian, had to go to Chicago for some business reason. And he thought, well, I'll just stop by and just see this fellow and just thank him again for what he did for me. Well, he finds the building in Chicago, and he goes in, and he asks the secretary, could he speak to this man? And the secretary said, no, he's not here. He said, she said, but you can speak to his wife. And so he went in to the office of the man's wife, and he told the story about him picking him up. And he was a little hesitant, but he also told her that he had witnessed to him and that the man had wept <clears throat> and prayed that day to come to the Lord. The wife began to weep and weep and weep. She said, my husband was killed after he let you out in an automobile accident. I had prayed for his salvation for a long time. And I thought the Lord had let me down. And I have grown cold. I was disheartened and downcast, thinking the Lord had let my husband die. And he wasn't saved. The Lord had answered her prayer, even though she didn't know it. And how many prayers of ours will he answer without us knowing always what he has done? So in Spanish, as it says, persevere in prayer. Keep on praying. In Philippians 4, 6, he says another little word in here. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, in everything. Now, I have some cows at home, and at the end of May, the fescue gets tall, and if the cows eat in the grass that's tall, it constantly rubs in their eyes, and with flies, they can get pink eye. And if you don't treat it, they can lose their vision in their eyes. So, at that time of year, you need to cut the tops out of it and leave the grass. But many times, a cow who's had a calf will lay that calf down in the grass somewhere. She will leave and go back to the other cows and spend three or four hours. She'll go back and feed the calf, 
and then she'll go back to the other cows. I have a friend who was bush hogging, and he ran over three calves and chopped them up. So the calf could be down there in the grass, and you're up on a tractor. You're going along with fairly good speed. You don't look everywhere, and you run over one and chop him up. So one day I was doing this, and before I started, I just prayed, Lord, I don't want to chop one up. Well, I drove about three or 400 yards, and then about from here to that wall back there, one of them stood up. Pray about everything. <laughs> if I don't know where my, cow, my uh, keys are, my wife is going to ask me, well, did you pray about it? Did you ask the Lord where your keys are? So I don't ask her because I know what she's going to tell me. <laughs> the Lord is good. And I'll tell you another story or two, and then we'll stop here in a minute. <clears throat> Robin and Randall Martin Morton were in uh, Lugo, Spain. For some reason, <clears throat> Randall was out of town for several days. There was another missionary couple there with them, and they were going on a little vacation. So they came by Robin's house to say goodbye. Now, in Spain, the doors don't have a doorknob on the, on the outside. You have to have a key to get in. So you can't shut your door and, and then on the outside use the doorknob to get in because there's no doorknob. Now, in a house out in the country, they do, but not in town. So she had a girl that was about three years old and then had a boy in her arms. So she went down to say goodbye to them. They had grown close because they didn't have family there or many friends. And so, unconsciously, Robin puts the keys on top of the car. Well, they chat a little bit, and the uh, missionary couple gets in their car and drives off. Robin walks back in the building, and she gets to her door. Well, no keys. I can't get in. Six-month-old baby. My husband's out of town. No family here to call. So she prayed. And she went across the road to a bread store, and she knew the people there, and she asked them if they could watch the little girl a minute. She was going to try to run and see if she could catch them. Well, they had already gone a little ways. They stopped at a red light. There was a man sitting on his balcony. He happened to look down at that moment, and he saw the keys on top of the car. And he hollered down to the people. And so they came back and brought her her keys. Isn't the Lord good? Pray about everything in all things. And if we don't, what's going to happen? We're going to be anxious. We're going to be worried, and we're going to be upset. So this morning as we finish, may we be encouraged to pray. May we persevere in prayer. A lack of perseverance 
is a sign of spiritual immaturity. He does exceeding abundant and above all that we could ever ask or think. We see Moses up on the mountain. And we see what happened down in the valley where they were fighting. But Moses' hands got tired. And he dropped them. And the two with him raised them up. The result of what happened on the battlefield was determined by what happened on the mountain of prayer. There was a greater battle happening up there on the mountaintop. And Moses didn't just pray one time. I don't know how long he was there, but he continued persevering in prayer. When Elijah was on the mountain and the fire came down and consumed the sacrifice, he bowed down and prayed, and what happened? He sent his servant to look toward the the ocean. That's where the rain would come from. The servant comes back and says, I don't see anything. He sends him back again. Well, I don't see a thing. And I believe he sends him back six times, and he doesn't see anything. And he goes back the seventh time, and he says, I see a cloud the size of my hand. And we know what happened afterwards. But he persevered in prayer. Pray. And as I finish, I'd like to share one other little story about a lady, Marie Munson, who was greatly used of God in China in revival. The Lord really blessed through her. But before the revival, she was living with some other missionaries, and for them to be able to give more time to the work, Another missionary sent them a little Chinese lady to help with the cooking, the washing, and these types of things. The house they lived in was a little house that had cardboard walls. So if someone was talking in the other room, you could hear what they were saying. Well, Marie Munson's, her room was right beside the little Chinese woman's room. And the Chinese woman was a woman of prayer. And Marie Munson would listen to her prayers. And she said, well, that'll never happen. Chinese woman asked for that. That'll never happen. And it did happen. The next day she hears a Chinese woman praying. Oh, that'll never happen. A little while later, it does happen. And Marie Munson began to see. This woman doesn't know a lot, but she believes God will answer her prayers. She believes He hears. And she believes that He will respond. Ask anything according to His will. And it shall be given unto you. So the devil will try many different tactics and ways to turn us aside from prayer. 
We may not see all the answers to our prayers. Some of them God may not answer because He knows we're praying for something we shouldn't have. But He's one who desires to do exceeding abundant and above all we could ever ask or think. His name is wonderful and He is good. Let me share one other example and we'll finish. I have some cows at home and they're beef cows. They're not like dairy cows. The dairy cows are milked twice a day. They're handled in a barn twice a day. They become fairly gentle. A beef cow may not be touched in a year. I don't touch mine but once a year to give them a vaccination and worm and, and these type of things. If one's sick, you may have to do something else. But I had some small calves that I fed through the winter. And part of the time, I turned them out in our yard because there's a fence around our yard, and there was some grass in the yard, and they pruned Susan's bushes. (laughs) But anyway, I've got them now in a bigger pasture, and they're fairly wild. So whenever I go to get one or whatever, I, I, I pray, Lord, help me get him in. And it's amazing, so many times they come in. Now, a 69-year-old man out there running and trying to get them in is not going to win the battle. But many times, there's no trouble. The Lord brings them in. In everything by prayer and supplication. Elijah was a man like us, subject to the same passions, the same weaknesses, facing the same battles. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. Pray. Persevere in prayer. Pray about everything. The Lord may answer when you're in glory, as He did with George Mueller. He may answer 40 years later. He controls the timetable. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. Pray, pray, pray. May God give us a spirit of prayer and supplication. Father, give us a spirit of prayer and supplication. Keep us from the tactics of the evil one who would try to turn us aside. We thank you for the privilege to be called the children of God. We thank you for the access we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you are a God who desires to bless and do exceeding abundant and above all we could ever ask or think. We bless you today. We thank you. And we Honor your precious name as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.